0: Good morning, church family. It's wonderful to see all of you here today for our second of three sermons, looking at Acts chapter 4, which we will be taking a little break from starting next week as we begin to prepare our hearts and our minds for Christmas with some Christmas sermons. Nevertheless, as for today, we will be in Acts chapter 4. And we will be looking specifically at verses 23 through 31, or when the believers pray for boldness. And in all honesty, church, and I don't know about you, but I personally cannot remember the last time I prayed for boldness. For I can remember the last time I prayed and asked God to take the pain away. And I can remember the last time I prayed and asked God to make the difficult situation easier, and I can even remember the last time I prayed and asked God to keep me safe and sound, warm and fuzzy, and healthy and secure. But the last time I prayed and asked God for boldness, particularly for the sake of Jesus Christ, unfortunately, I cannot say, which quite frankly is rather convicting, church. As the 19th and 20th century Dutch theologian Herman Bavink put it, that this boldness to speak and to testify is in the first place indispensable for the preacher and furthermore for all believers, as it is a fearless testimony to each and to all of God's truth in Christ. And it is based on the blessed awareness that our guilt has been taken away And replaced with boldness to come before the throne of grace and to make known all our desires before God. And it is strengthened in us by the many examples of courageous and steadfast confessions that we find in Scripture and in history. And this idea of the early church praying for boldness at this time in the book of Acts, for it really does make a lot of sense. Especially when you consider, as we all saw last week, that after the apostles Peter and John were speaking to the people in the temple grounds, that the priest and the temple and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, verse 2, greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. And then verse 3, arrested them, and put them into custody or into prison, only for Peter and John then the next day to be set in the midst of the Sanhedrin or in the midst of the Jewish high court, who then asked them, by what power or by what name did you do this? Obviously inquiring here about the healing of the lame man back in Acts chapter 3, to which the apostle Peter filled with the Holy Spirit, in essence, goes on to make clear to the Sanhedrin then that it was by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, the same Jesus who you, the Sanhedrin, killed, and the same Jesus who God raised up from the dead, that it was by the name of this Jesus Christ of Nazareth that this crippled man was healed. Only to then, church, go on to say to them, Essentially, that this same man who you rejected, this Jesus Christ of Nazareth, for there is salvation in him and in no one else, and that there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Which obviously did not please the Sanhedrin here, who eventually then charged or commanded Peter and John, as we see then in verse 18, not to speak or to teach at all in the name of Jesus only for Peter and John to say back to them in verses 19 and 20, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge, for we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard, to which the members of the Sanhedrin then further threaten them and let them go. And thus, although the apostles of Jesus Christ were let go by the Sanhedrin here, For you can begin to see why here, church, these believers, as we will see in our text today, prayed for boldness, since although the early church is growing and growing and growing through the preaching of the Word, for threats of persecution now are also, at this time, beginning to be hurled at members of the early church as well. And that's our thesis statement this morning, church. Or the main premise of our sermon this morning is this, God is sovereign over all and can empower his children to boldly share the gospel with the world, even in the face of persecution. Again, our thesis statement this morning is this, God is sovereign over all and can empower his children to boldly share the gospel with the world, even in the face of of persecution. And thus at this time, church, let's open our Bibles up this morning to Acts chapter 4, verses 23 through 31. And if you are joining us today and do not have or do not own a Bible, then please feel free to take and even to keep one of our church Bibles, which are all located in the chairs in front of you, and to open that Bible up at this time to page 912 and join us as we as a church family hear the Word of God together this morning. For again, we will be in Acts chapter 4 this morning, church, and we will be looking specifically at verses 23 through 31, where Dr. Luke, the author of the book of Acts, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he writes, when they were released, They went to their friends and reported what the chief priest and the elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, Why did the Gentiles rage and the peoples plot in vain? With boldness. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray that that word boldness this morning, Lord, that it be a convicting word for us. Lord, if we have been cowardly in our proclamation of the gospel and not bold. Father, we pray for forgiveness at this time. And Lord, we pray that you give us the grace we need to be bold for the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, in proclaiming the Word of God to others. Father, give us a zeal, a passion a conviction to act in a way as Christians that we truly believe in the resurrection of the dead, that we truly believe that we have been saved from our sins, and to boldly share that message with the world and to not be timid because individuals around us still need to hear it. Father, I pray that you open our eyes and our ears this morning, that you soften our hearts to trust you like never before, to see you, Father, as sovereign Lord of all, the one who created all things and the one who speaks to his creation. Father, let us see you this morning as sovereign, the one who is all-powerful, who is present everywhere, who knows all things and can do all things in love. Father, strengthen our trust in you this morning, and I pray, Father, through the preaching of your word that this dear church body is edified and built up in faith in you. Father, help me this morning, my lisping and my stammering tongue, I pray, to give glory to you and to you alone. Father, it is my prayer that I this morning decrease and that your son Jesus Christ, that he may increase. In his name we pray, amen. Our first of two points this morning, church, is this. Point number one God is sovereign over all, even over suffering and persecution. Again, point number one God is sovereign over all, even over suffering and persecution. Verses 23 through 28. When they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, Why did the Gentiles rage and the peoples plot in vain? So following the Sanhedrin in verse 21, letting Peter and John go, for when they were released, verse 23, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priest and the elders had said to them. And I just love that line here, church, in verse 23, that Peter and John, that after they were thrown into prison, questioned by the Sanhedrin, charged not to speak or to teach in the name of Jesus, and then threatened and let go, that after being released, that they, Peter and John then, verse 23, went to their friends. Their friends here being not merely their buddies who they play basketball with, nor merely their pals who they go to the gym with, nor merely their companions who they work with, but instead their friends here being their own people church, or their brothers and sisters in Christ, which seemingly includes the likes of the other apostles of Jesus Christ, and seemingly some others who were also now part of the early church as well. And that one day, Peter and John, went to their friends or went to these believers, for they reported to them or told them what the chief priest and the elders had said to them, Essentially, how they were charged not to speak or to teach at all in the name of Jesus, and how they had threatened them. And thus, when they then, their friends, heard this, verse 24, for they lifted their voices together to God, or they prayed together to God, and they said, as we see in verse 24, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. And that they didn't start their prayer here, church, by giving thanks to God, nor by confessing their sins to God, nor by making their petitions, or their supplications, or their request made known to God, but instead, they started their prayer here, church, by addressing God as sovereign Lord, as Master, or as Lord, Thou art God, who, verse 24, made the heaven, and the earth, and the sea, and everything in them, i.e., who created all things, produced all things, brought about all things, and who is the ultimate cause of all things in heaven on earth and even in the sea, in that our God is sovereign church and rules over all church as the creator of all things church. And to also, as we see in verse 25, through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, our father David or our ancestor David, being made known here to be the human author who God inspired to write Psalm chapter 2, or the psalm that we will see quoted in verses 25 and 26. And I say who God inspired to write Psalm chapter 2, because as we all know, church, all Scripture is ultimately breathed out by God, 2 Timothy 3.16, and that no prophecy was ever produced by the will of men, but instead was men speaking from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit, 2 Peter one twenty-one. And thus our sovereign God, by the Holy Spirit and through the mouth of David, said as we see in verses 25 and 26, which again is quoting here from Psalm chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, why did the Gentiles rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed to which these believers then go on to pray in verse 27. For truly in this city there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel. And what is taking place here, church, as scholar Dennis Johnson describes it, is that in their prayer, these disciples of Jesus Christ Quote the opening two lines of Psalm chapter 2, which describe the conspiracy of the nations and the peoples and of kings and rulers against the Lord and his anointed. And then the prayer traced point by point how this prediction had been fulfilled in the sufferings of Jesus, God's holy and anointed servant. And the rebels, they were the Gentiles, but also included the peoples, namely the peoples of Israel. And although technically Herod was not a king but a tetrarch, for he was of royal blood, and Pontius Pilate, for he was the ruler prophesied about in Psalm 2, if only by his passivity, and handing Jesus Christ over, whom he knew was innocent, into the hands of his enemies. And thus this Bizarre alliance of the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, and Herod and Pilate, for they all gathered together, as the psalm foretold, against, verse 27, your holy servant, Jesus. To do as we see then in verse 28, whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. And please, please, please do not miss this point here, church, in verse 28. That point being that although the opponents of Jesus Christ condemned and crucified and killed Jesus Christ that in doing so that they all did exactly what our sovereign God's hand and plan had predestined to take place and that the arrest of Jesus Christ part of the sovereign plan of God and the trial of Jesus Christ part of the sovereign plan of God and Jesus Christ being spit on and struck crowned with a crown of thorns and mocked part of the sovereign plan of God and even the nail-pierced hands and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ hanging and dying on a cross at Calvary for it was all part of the sovereign plan of God and yet our sovereign God for he not only predestined all of it to take place but he also used it to save and to redeem sinners from their very sins as well. And thus as we wrap up point number one this morning, church, I'd like to do so by reminding you all at this time that our God is sovereign even over the suffering and the persecution that we may face. And thus because of that, as Agith Fernando put it, that the most important thing then to bear in mind in the midst of crisis or persecution is the sovereignty of God which was clearly displayed when a delegation from the Pope met with Martin Luther and threatened him by saying that he, he persisted in his course, that in the end, all of his supporters would desert him. And where will you be then? The delegation asked the reformer, Martin Luther, to which Luther, he responded back to them with this. Then... Just as of now, I will be in the hands of God. And thus, let the reality then, church, that your God, that he is in the heavens, and that he does all that he pleases, Psalm 115.3, and that every decision is from him, Psalm 16.33 and that he works all things according to the counsel of his will, Ephesians 1.11, establishes our steps, Proverbs 16.9, and has established his throne in the heavens, and that his kingdom rules over all, Psalm 103.19, encourage you and comfort you and give you peace even in the midst of persecution. Since your sovereign God, who created all things, who rules over all things, and who decrees all things, for he can providentially work in and through all things, even through that of your persecution, which means then that even if man means evil against you, Christian, that your sovereign and providential God can still use it and mean it for your very good, Genesis 50, verse 20. Since for those who love God, Romans eight twenty eight, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose, even that of the persecution, Christian, that you may be called to face. Which brings us to point number two. Persecution will come against faithful Christians. Persecution will come against faithful Christians. Verses 29 through 31. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness, while you stretch out your hand to heal, and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed The place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. So these early Christians, or these believers here, who have already at this point in the text addressed God as sovereign Lord and acknowledged that their sovereign Lord is the creator of all things, and that what had happened to Jesus Christ was all according to the hand and to the plan of their sovereign Lord. For they then, church, these believers here, begin at this time to bring their requests or their petitions before the Lord by praying to him or by saying to him, as we see in verse 29, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all." Boldness and that these early Christians, for they don't pray asking God to destroy their opposition here, nor do they pray asking God to keep the persecution far away from them here, nor even do they pray asking God to keep them healthy and safe and sound and out of harm's way here, but instead they pray asking their sovereign God to look upon or to consider or to take note of or to behold their threatenings here. And verse 29, to grant to your servants or to grant to these believers here to continue to speak your word with all boldness, and not only that, but they also then pray that the Lord's servants would continue to speak your word with all boldness while, verse 30, you stretch out your hand to heal, and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. In essence, as John Polhill put it, for the believers do not hesitate to pray that God would work more miracles as they continued proclaiming the gospel. Now, such a prayer does not indicate deficient faith, but rather is evidence of their strong belief that God would work in their midst in an immediate way that authenticates the gospel. And thus with that, as we see then in verse 31, and when they had prayed, or after they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken the place where they had gathered together being shaken, seemingly being a sign here, church, as one commentator put it, that God was present with them and that he would answer their prayers for them. Which, as we see then in verse 31, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. And that seemingly all these believers here, who were gathered together at this time and who were praying together at this time, that they were all filled with the Holy Spirit here at this time, just like the Apostle Peter was back in Acts chapter 4 verse 8 when he was before the Sanhedrin, which then enabled them to continue to speak the word of God with all boldness or to be able to do the very thing that these believers just asked their sovereign God to enable them to do. Now, we will close this morning, church, in light of the theme of Christian boldness, or in light of our need to pray for boldness. However, before we get to that this morning, for I do just want to lovingly remind you all here today, that one of the reasons why we as Christians need to faithfully and to consistently pray for boldness, particularly when it comes to sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with others. It's because a servant, for they are not greater than their master, and thus if they persecuted Jesus Christ, for they will persecute us Christian as well, John fifteen twenty. Or to put it another way, for all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus, for they will be persecuted, 2 Timothy 3.12. And thus because of that, for do not be surprised then, Christian, at the fiery trials or when severe persecution does indeed come upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you, 1 Peter 4.12. But instead remember the words of Jesus Christ from Matthew chapter 5, verse 10, where he said, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And to then take heart, be courageous, and be of good cheer, Christian. Since although in this world you will have tribulation, for our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, as John 16, verse 33 puts it, for he He has overcome the world. And thus, as we begin to wrap up this morning, church, for I'd like to do so by beginning with the non-Christian who is here first, and to share with you at this time, non-Christian, the message about this Jesus Christ, or the one who came into this world as truly God and as truly man, to live and to dwell amongst us and to save the children of God from their very sins by initially living for them non-Christian the life that they as sinners could never ever live and that Jesus Christ he lived a life here on earth, non-Christian, that was free from any kind of sin and was holy and righteous and just and good. And in doing so, perfectly and completely and obediently then fulfilled the law of God for the very children of God, something that they, the children of God, as sinners could never ever do. However, that was not all that this sinless Son of God, Jesus Christ, accomplished here on earth while he lived and dwelt among us. And I say that because being that the wage of sin or the cost of sin is that of death. For he, Jesus Christ, not only lived the perfect life that they, the children of God, could never ever live, But he, Jesus Christ, also then took their very sins upon himself and bore the wrath of their holy God that they ultimately deserve for their sins by being crucified and killed and crushed on a cross at Calvary in their place and as their very substitute, the righteous one, Jesus Christ, dying in the place of the unrighteous. And in doing so, he, Jesus Christ, then, not only satisfied the justice of our holy God, but also appeased and non-Christian the wrath of our holy God toward his sinful children as well. And thus, because of all that, three days later, then, this sinless Son of God, Jesus Christ, who gave up his life as a ransom for many, for he didn't stay dead or deceased or buried in some grave, but instead, three days later, he, Jesus Christ, he rose from the dead, and he defeated sin and destroyed eternal death once and for all, and now offers eternal life to all who place their trust in him. Thus, Let today be the day, non-Christian, that you turn from your sin. For let today be the day that you repent of your sin and you place your trust in Jesus Christ and in Christ alone as the only one who can forgive you of your sin, as the only one who paid the price for your sin, who died for your sin and can clothe you then in his perfect life, in his righteousness, and reconcile you back to God forever. For let today be the day, non-Christian, Christian, that you repent of your sin and place your faith in Jesus Christ, and today will be the day that you will be forgiven of your sin and given the gift, non-Christian, of eternal life. And to the Christian who was here today, for as we close this morning, brother Christian, sister Christian, for again I'd like to do so in light of the theme of Christian boldness particularly when it comes to sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with others because in all honesty to summarize one commentator here for every follower of Jesus is prone and is tempted to be quiet with the gospel and thus when you have hesitations about sharing the gospel, or when you find yourself being prone to silence, when you have an opportunity to share the gospel, know that you are not alone. And how often has something like that happened to you, Christian? When at the dinner table, for example, that one family member of yours says that they believe that everyone will just go to heaven, and you just timidly keep your mouth shut. Or when that one co-worker of yours, for example, says that they believe that Jesus Christ is one of many ways to be saved, and you just nervously smile back at them as if you agree with them. Or when that one friend of yours, for example, says that they are a good person and that they don't need anyone to save them from their sins, and you just cowardly say absolutely nothing back to them. The late R.C. Sproul Church, for he once shared this story about a time during his college days when it was announced on the Jack Parr television program that the evangelist Billy Graham would be his guest. And thus all the Christians then on campus gathered together in the dorm room with the TV in it in order to watch this late-night program together. And Jack Parr, in his unique and quirky fashion, wanted to speak comically and to be silly with Billy and said, so I guess you're here tonight to try to save me, to try to straighten my life out. You're probably going to try to get me to repent, aren't you? And Billy Graham just smiled back at him and said, well, Jack, have you repented? for you know you need to. And yes, I am concerned about your soul, because without Jesus, Jack, you're going to perish. And I could hardly believe what I was hearing, Sprawl noted, for Billy Graham wasn't being nasty or being insensitive to Parr, but instead was being bold before the entire nation, and that he wasn't going to be manipulated into being silenced about the truth of Jesus Christ. And where is that boldness today? Now, I am not advocating for a brash or foolhardy or obnoxious or offensive approach. But what I am saying is that we as Christians need to be done with being cowardly and proclaim the gospel with boldness, a boldness that should characterize a Christian who has been persuaded of the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the defeat of death since we have the same change in us that was in the apostles who went from fearful infidels to courageous saints. And thus, if you are sitting here this morning, brother Christian, sister Christian, and your actions per se in sharing the message of God with others, or your demeanor per se in sharing The gospel of God with others, or the manner in which, per se, you bear witness to Jesus Christ before others, could be described as timid or cowardly, gutless or yellow-bellied, weak-kneed or faint-hearted, spineless or feeble, then lovingly let me encourage you, Christian, to pray to your sovereign God and to ask him to give you the grace you need and the courage you need, the bravery you need, and the boldness you need to willingly share the gospel of Jesus Christ with this world around you. And that when the opportunity to bear witness to Jesus Christ presents itself to you, Christians, or when that moment to share the gospel of Jesus Christ appears before you, Christian, or when the occasion to share the good news about Jesus Christ comes out of nowhere right before you, Christian, for do not let fear or anxiety, threats of persecution, or your own personal discomfort keep you from being faithful and sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with others. But instead, in each of those situations, pray, Christian, to your sovereign God, the one who created all things, who produced all things, brought about all things, and who decrees all things, and ask him to give you the grace you need and the boldness you need to willingly share the gospel of Jesus Christ with this world around you, even if it's in the face of persecution. Since the same Holy Spirit who enabled these saints in our text today to speak the word of God with all boldness, for that same Holy Spirit, for he now dwells in you and can empower and enable you too, Christian, to share the gospel of God with all boldness as well. Therefore, pray for boldness, Christian and seek to be bold in sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with this world around you, Christian, all while knowing full well, as 2 Timothy 1.7 puts it, that your God has given you a spirit, Christian, not of fear, but instead of power and love and of self-control. Thus it is my prayer that we as a church body that we find absolute peace this morning in the fact that our God is sovereign over all, to the point that even if persecution or threats of persecution may come our way, which we know will happen, since all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, that we do not forsake our faith because of that, but that we instead just rest in the fact that you, God, that you are sovereign over all, in control over all, and that somehow and some way you will work all things together for our good and for your eternal glory. And furthermore, that you also, Father, give us the grace we need to be bold in sharing the message of your Son, Jesus Christ, with this world as well. And that when the name of Jesus Christ comes up, for it is my prayer that we as your children do not be timid, nor fall into fear, nor seek after our own comforts above and beyond faithfulness to you, God. But that we instead, through the power of your Holy Spirit, willingly and boldly share the truth of your Son, Jesus Christ, with this world around us, no matter the mocking, the opposition, or the persecution that may indeed come our way. Since blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Let's pray, church. Heavenly Father, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Father, let this truth strengthen us this morning. That although in this world we will face tribulation, that we can take heart because our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ has overcome the world. And that we can be bold in the face of persecution, bold in the face of tribulation and crisis that may come our way for the sake of Jesus Christ, because he is worth it. And we have the Spirit of God The same Spirit that empowered and enables these disciples of Jesus Christ in our text today to speak with all boldness. The same Spirit that rose Jesus Christ up from the dead for that Spirit, for He now dwells in us. And He can empower us and strengthen us to be bold no matter the situation. So Father, if we see that we have sinned in being cowardly, Father, forgive us of these sins, we pray. And we pray that you strengthen this congregation, that you give them the boldness they need, whether that's at the Christmas dinner coming up in a few weeks, conversations with their friends, their students, teachers, whoever it may be, to boldly share the message of Jesus Christ with this world since it is the message that this world needs, it is the only way of salvation. Father, let us seek to be bold in sharing your gospel with the world and to not be bold in seeking after our own comforts in order to escape any and all persecution that could come our way for the sake of Christ. Strengthen us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.